Hi, my name is Carolyn Yates, and this is Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. The time is now to chase your dreams and find happiness. To help you on your chase, here's Amy J. Hey, Dream Chasers, this is Amy J. And thank you so much for tuning in to episode 259 of Chasing Dreams. Guys, it is Mental Health Awareness Month, and you know that means a lot to me. Mental health is a cause near and dear to my heart. It is important and one that I want to bring somebody special in to talk to you about mental health. And her name is Carolyn Yates. Carolyn is a licensed marriage and family therapist with a wide range of clinical experiences, both inpatient and outpatient. She works with individuals, families, couples, and treats mood disorders like anxiety and depression. And so she also works with behavioral and social difficulties. So this isn't unfamiliar. She's not a newbie. She has plenty of expertise, including working with adolescents and many teens on mental health, identity issues, self-esteem, and improving communications with their parents. So you can see why I wanted to share our conversation on mental health with you. Here's what I'm going to ask, though. All I ask is that you keep an open mind as we have this conversation and listen to what she has to say. And I'll check in with you afterwards. All right. So here's Carolyn. Hey, Carolyn, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited because, as as you know, this is Mental Health Awareness Month and mental health is an important topic to me. And so I wanted to ask you some questions. But the very first most important question is, what did young Carolyn want to be when she grew up? That's a good question. I I think she didn't quite know. Um, I always had an interest in how people think and behave and their emotions. So I think that was there from an early, early time in my life. I explored a few different routes. I was a psychology major in college. So mm-hmm. I think that really developed my interest more. And after trying out one career, I kind of switched paths and went to grad school to be a therapist. It's funny how how life kind of puts these different motions in, in your way and you kind of think it's going to work out and then you divert and then it come, comes back and your old stuff kind of helps you for the new stuff. It, it's funny that way, but I think a lot of people struggle with making that turn or making that pivot. And so do you, what do you tell someone who's kind of facing a fork in the road? I I think to, to be open-minded to different ideas of what Mm -hmm. you thought your path would look like. Actually, I can say for myself, I graduated um, undergrad in 2008 and entered the workforce. And that was when the entire economy collapsed. (laughs) So it was not a great time to be entering the workforce. And so I, you know, I did a little bit of work for about a year or two and then decided to go back to grad school. You know, I would say the catalyst was the economy. So I'm grateful I went to school when I did, Mm -hmm. but I might not have done it as soon if it weren't for that. So to see things that feel like adversity in your path that may ultimately be blessings long term. Absolutely. But I don't think we ever realized that until hindsight. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. I think at the time it was really challenging and I had to figure out what was I going to do? Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the things for people who are chasing their dreams or people, millennials in particular, we've faced a lot of um, things in our life through TV, social conditioning of we need to put our occupation, we need to put our role as a parent, a spouse, basically caring for others first before we kind of take care of ourselves. And I think right now a lot of people hold some resentment of I wasn't able to do what I needed to do because I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I have to make money to be able to take care of X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Is that actually the case? Is that is there another way to look at it? Can they take care of themselves first? You know, I, I think for a lot of the clients I work with, a lot of many times the work that I do when people fall into that category is giving yourself permission. You know, mm. that's hard for a lot of people, but I think recognizing, you know, even for parents, you know, that even if it's 20 minutes with your kids as opposed to 40 minutes, if you take 20 minutes to yourself, you're going to be a better parent in those 20 minutes, you know, that really to have a little bit of time for yourself, you can show up in better ways, you know, as a spouse, as a friend, as a parent. So I think it's really worth that time to to invest in yourself. And when you say take time for yourself, give permission, because I think that's huge when you say that. Give permission. It's not just, um, is it fair to say that's not just for people who are parents, but in general, give yourself permission to take care of yourself? Absolutely. Yeah, I think for everyone, you know, everyone has juggling different um, demands in their life or constantly prioritizing, you know, even for, as you said, millennials, it's figuring out how much time do I want with friends? How much time do I need to restore my own self, you know, being at home alone um, or with family, you know, all of those decisions. So let's, let, let me kind of double down on that. When you say it's okay to give yourself permission to put yourself first in taking care of yourself, that's actually not a bad thing. That's actually something that doesn't make you a bad person for doing that. Because I think that there's a lot of guilt involved with that. Well, people often feel that it's selfish to be yes. to take time for self-care. And so I, I try to do a lot of work to reframe that, to really think about it differently. You know, it's a whole paradigm shift to know that if you take some time for yourself, it really is worth every second you invest in that because it's allows you to just be more present and more patient with other people you know, and and feel like you filled your bucket before you're trying to fill everyone else's. Is that something that was I was I on the right path of saying that that's something that's kind of been ingrained through TV, movies, uh, social conditioning of just, um, you know, you have to be there 100 percent, 110 percent to be a mom or a husband or a wife, um, you know, to do anything else is is not good, because I think sometimes people think, no, this is it's in me. But I think it's actually external forces that are kind of helping us kind of think that way. I think our world has evolved that way. You know, for many people, I think things, the pace of life is busier than it was maybe 50 years ago. Mm. Um, And, you know, I think technology and um, how quick our society moves, you know, with communication and news that there's kind of a frenetic pace. I think that, yeah, most of us have adopted, you know, of just living that way. And I think it's hard to slow down. I think for a lot of people, it feels um, really strange and foreign to slow down and take care of yourself and take space for your own needs. (laughs) But it's, I think when I see clients that I work with, that we talk about this, and then they start to apply it in their life. For so many of them, they come back in and say, wow, I feel so much better. You know, Mm -hmm. the difference of you know, and it can be as, as little as 20 minutes a day, you know, just a meditation or a little exercise, you know, whatever you need to do for yourself to recenter away from the busyness of life. I think it really can go so far. So you, you've led me to the, my very next question, which was, let's say someone who has struggled with putting themselves first or just giving themselves that 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. How do they figure out what to do? Mm-hmm. 
that's always an exploration. You know, it, it's, um, it's not a one size fits all. Mm. Everyone responds differently. Um, I think, you know, some people have the misperception that self-care means like a bubble bath or a manicure pedicure. And it, I also talk, talk with my clients about emotional self-care and what mm-hmm. that is. You know, for some people, it's journaling, you know, and just kind of processing their emotions and taking the time to step back and reflect. Um, meditation, I think, is a great one. I use it myself. There's a lot of great apps out there that make it really accessible. Um, exercise is a great one, you know, maybe calling a friend, you know, if that just feels like some sort of outlet or support. So it comes in so many forms. And so a lot of times with clients, we just brainstorm what, what brings you joy, you know, or what helps you to calm down or recenter. Is it kind of a, once you, once you kind of brainstorm those ideas at that point, is it trial and error test and see what works and what doesn't work, you know, and discard what's not working and keep going with what is? Yes. Yeah. I think that that you don't really know until you try. Um, there, there are a lot of people too, that are creative, like music or art, mm-hmm. you know, anything in, the, in those um, avenues can be really helpful too. You know, it can be anything. And, and I think, you know, what's great is in, in this conversation and why I want people to hear it is uh, this isn't just for people who have partners. This isn't just for people who have dependents in one way, shape or form. Those who are single, those who are, in any relationship status or form should be doing something like this, which is, is that accurate? Of course. Yeah. I think we're, it's the human condition. You know, I think we all deal with stress and um, self-care is a way to manage stress. If that's a way to think about it. So if you're sitting here and you're reflecting and saying, you know what, I'm feeling pretty stressed. Yeah. You can probably benefit from, from self-care. So I think it's something that applies to everyone. And self-care isn't necessarily, when you talk about brainstorming, I think some of the things that, stop people from getting help with mental health or even just taking care of themselves often comes down to finances and -hmm. money. And so what are some examples of free ways to take care of yourself just to kind of get people uh, started in thinking in different ways? Yeah. Yeah. That kind of think outside the box. Yeah. Doesn't need money. Um, You know, I think listening to music can be a great mood lifter, you know, and most people have free access to that um meditation that there's some a couple of great apps i really like there's one called calm that i know has at least a free version that you can use um headspace is another one those ones are great you know art you know just sitting down with markers or um crayons or, and just kind of coloring there's even some great adult coloring books you know for a lot of adults that can be a really great outlet and journaling that's free you can just sit down and start writing uh, calling a friend, that's free. So there's so many ways that you can do something for yourself or even taking a walk in nature, you know, mm-hmm. going for a hike. A lot of times that can be really therapeutic or going to the beach if you live near the coast, just looking at the water. You know, the two things that you said that I've done and have surprised me at how well it works, the dull coloring book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually very calming. It's soothing. I, yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. I you know, crayons, coloring pencils, whatever. It's just really nice mm-hmm. to do. Um, and it's not just a kid thing, which is like, it, I enjoyed it as a kid. I'm enjoying it now. Right. That was like one. And then the other one you mentioned is taking a walk. There's something about being outdoors. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what it is, but I feel like I just kind of recenter myself from being in front of computers or your mobile or something. But once you step outside, it's like, 
a breath of fresh air for lack of a better word to describe it. Is there a reason for that? You know, there's one particular one I can think of, you know, if you're in the sun, you get the vitamin D, you know, mm. and for a lot of us, especially in the New England area through the winter, there's a um, deficit of vitamin D for sure, you know, of yeah. the sunlight. And I think that really helps, you know, I've even heard the expression, um, taking a nature bath to think about it that way, you know, maybe you go out into somewhere that feels really naturally beautiful and you just surround yourself with it. It just, I think it also puts things in perspective, you know, mm -hmm. when you see things growing or not things that were created by natural processes, I think it just um, sometimes puts whatever the stressor or small problem that you're dealing with that day in, in perspective. I would challenge you guys, if you're, if you're listening or watching this, take, take some time to go outside. I have found that to be a game changer and you don't have to do a lot. You can even just sit there. Yeah. There's just something about it that is calming and soothing. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I think, you know, these past two plus years, right. With the pandemic has had an impact on our mental health, um, things we are aware of, things we aren't aware of necessarily. Um, I recently went out and about safely mm -hmm. to another state and came back, you know, wasn't COVID that got me, I ended up with strep and bronchitis. Mm -hmm. And so in the end, it, you know, they were saying, you've been inside most of the time. And so your immune system is down, you're susceptible, right? What does that do for us mentally having been isolated the way we've been? And with people having had to do different things to uh, adjust? What can they do now now that we're slowly kind of safe, hopefully safely opening back up mm -hmm. to kind of I, I feel like jumping right back into things isn't the thing but mm -hmm. wanted to check yeah i i've seen the effects of the pandemic on mental health tremendously you know yeah. and myself you know i think it's one of those things as a therapist that it's been a collective trauma that we've all gone through it together you know yeah. that we can all relate to how it has felt um i've seen an uptick too in anxiety with people re-entering the world because it's in some ways being in your bubble, being at home, knowing you wouldn't get sick felt safe. And so kind of re-entering and knowing how to do that and how to manage, um, it involves some risk, right? Going out and doing it. But uh, I think what I've said to a lot of clients is that at some point you need to prioritize your mental health over your physical health. Mm. You know, now that we know more about this illness and, um, that it has evolved over the last couple of years. And so really looking at how it has affected your mental health. Um, but the isolation, I think that's been the hardest part for a lot of people. Just, you know, the work from home option has been great. I think for, especially for a lot of families that it's, you know, gotten rid of their commute time. Maybe it allows them more time for themselves for self-care at the same time, not being in an office surrounded by people all day and just behind a screen it does have an effect as well. So I think yeah. for people working from home to really know that you need to make efforts to socialize and get out and see people in order to manage your, your own mental health. You talked about risk um, also in just having to accept some risk in order to kind of venture out. And I think when, when people are trying to make their own decisions and, and take charge of their life and try to chase those dreams that they have, which is really just chasing joy and, and kind of, finding that fulfilled life that they want risk is something that's that's a scary word and how do you how do you address that though because i think sometimes people hear risk and they say hands off stay away not mm -hmm. worth it how do you handle when you talk about risk or just 
those kinds of aspects to things mm-hmm. people are trying to decide? Well, I think it's doing it gradually. You know, it's not like jumping into the deep end. You know, maybe yeah. it's um, going out and doing something you wouldn't have done before wearing a mask, you know, or knowing you just got your booster, whatever it might be to kind of think about what protective measures are in place to help mm-hmm. you feel less worried about getting COVID if that's that's your biggest fear. Um, but I think ultimately it's risk is uncomfortable, you know, and I think for a lot of people, that's what prevents them from going out and doing things again. And I think in some ways it's been so long, I mean, two and a half years is a long time to be adopting a different lifestyle. It's almost become comfortable to not do those things. I think for a lot of people, it may not even be a conscious thought, but it's just, this is my new way of living. And to go back to the old way, feels really different and hard. It's, it's funny you say that. Cause I think we're so used to it, right? It's become mm-hmm. a, a new normal, for lack of a better phrase, for people. But mm-hmm. I like the idea of, and it's one I've adopted for myself, of kind of slowly, slowly acclimating myself to things, right? By doing social things with a close group of friends who I trust, family mm-hmm. and cousins and stuff like that, and kind of slowly bringing myself to more people. And mm-hmm. it's a safer environment or going to a restaurant when there's not a big crowd and so on and so forth. So for, for those listening, you know, try to find a way to step mm-hmm. outside your comfort zone, because I mean, I, I think the thing is you see so many people on social media now and people think, hey, I, ha- I can't get to that point. Therefore, I just need to stay where I am. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're talking about is a little bit more of an on ramp bridge kind of situation of get there slowly. You don't have to jump into that deep end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of think about um, the idea of exposure therapy, you know, mm-hmm. and then that often helps with anxiety. And a lot of times with exposure therapy, I think about it like a ladder of zero to 10, you know, like what's a one and what's a three, you know, in terms of risk and what feels so uncomfortable to you to do different things. What's a seven. And yeah. so saying, why don't you start with two threes and see how you feel and then kind of work your way up. And I think when you do it gradually, it makes the process a lot easier. hundred percent. And I, I think that's something I've accepted later in life because I've always mm-hmm. been such an extreme person of, mm-hmm. you know, you got to get there a hundred percent effort. Mm-hmm. You have to do it. And now with the beauty of wisdom and age and, and whatnot, I realize you don't, it doesn't have to be like that. And I, I think it's a hard thing for millennials to accept is it doesn't have to be like that guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to that point, one of the things we talked about, you talked about was anxiety and, you know, for Indians in particular, I know other uh, cultures probably as well. Mental health is not something we like to talk about or acknowledge. Mm -hmm. And one of the things you said that was, I think, very important is we may have to prioritize our mental health over our physical health. Mm -hmm. And so how do you kind of talk to someone who's not really ready to talk about mental health, but you kind of know, hey, we got to talk about mental health? Mm -hmm. You know, I think a word that feels very approachable to a lot of people is stress. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes if people aren't really in a place where they're recognizing they're struggling with mental health, but I can tell, you know, I'll ask, what are you feeling stressed? What are you stressed about? You know, it's yeah. kind of another word for anxiety, but it feels less threatening, you know, and I think most people can relate to it. So if that's, I find that's kind of a, a nice place to start for a lot of people where, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of reflecting on um, how are you feeling in your day to day? Are you feeling content with life or is part of you? feeling like you wish things were different in your life. And one of the things that people struggle with, right? Not wanting to talk about mental health is how do I get help for it? So if Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to take care of my mental health, what do I do? Mm -hmm. 
yeah, that's, that's hard for a lot of people. And um, I think one positive thing that's come out of this pandemic is I think there's been a, many more people that have sought therapy for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gotten a lot of new clients that say, this is my first time trying therapy, but you know, I'm feeling like it would help me right now. And I think in general, I think it's been kind of a slow progression, but I think there's more and more awareness around mental health and hopefully the stigma is starting to decrease over time. Just recognizing it's something that we all deal with. You know, we all have to manage our mental health. Um, but with seeking therapy, I know even navigating the system itself is complicated Yeah. of, you know, how do I find a therapist, <laughs> right. my parents, how much does it cost? And, you know, and then finding someone that I connect with, you know, yes. so I think there are a lot of great resources out there. You know, I think if you can, especially if you contact a lot of therapists, I mean, I do this a lot and try to explain to someone if it's their first time reaching out how the process works or kind of different ways of doing it. So I think just trying to educate yourself, but there's a lot of great information out there. And guys, we'll try and put some uh, links to resources for you to find help where you are. Um, They'll probably be mostly focused on the U.S. Those are the resources we have, guys. But, um, you know, Google is also your friend. Mm hmm. So there's a, um, actually a great uh, directory. It's called psychologytoday.com. There you go. Search by zip code. You can search by insurance carrier. You can search by specialization. Um, and there's like a picture and a little bio for many therapists are a part of it. So it's a really good directory to kind of just search through and kind of see different approaches to how therapists work. We'll definitely put that link in the show notes for you guys so that you can find it. Carolyn, one of the things I think people struggle with, right? We talked about how to find mental health. We talked about um, anxiety. We talked about all the, all these other things. One thing that they also kind of do, and it's kind of internal, right, is I'm struggling. We're having this conversation about stress. What is wrong with me? Mm-hmm. Right. You have all these people happy go lucky on social media. You have all my coworkers. They're not talking about anything. They're not complaining, probably, or something. What is wrong with me? Can, can you talk a little bit about that mentality that people may have, especially when they're not used to talking about mental health and mm-hmm. what they can do? It's hard. Yeah. And I, you know, I think someone struggling with mental health, that doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. You know, mm-hmm. there is, it depends on the severity, but with, especially with depression and anxiety and many other um, mental illnesses, there is a brain chemistry component of it. You know, the synapses are not firing properly in the brain that would make you feel anxious or depressed. And so, I think sometimes that takes away the feeling like you're doing something wrong. You know, if you know part of it is brain chemistry, that that part can help to think about it that way. Um, And just, you know, understanding that depression and anxiety, especially are so common and it's things that I'm sure a lot of the people, you know, are dealing with it. Some, you may have no idea Mm -hmm. because it's something that people um, it's so internal and they may not, on the outside, they may seem totally fine, but they could, inside could be struggling with it. So I would just say, you know, please know that so many people struggle with it. And it's very, very common and very treatable. That's that's the hope that's there too. You know, getting treatment, you know, therapy or for some people medication as well often does really work. You guys hear that? There's nothing different about you. If mm-hmm. there's some, if you're, I don't, I can't say wrong necessarily because you might need to get help, but there, it, it doesn't make you weird. It doesn't make you mm-hmm. strange or an outsider. It's okay. And I know for years, um, in co- different cultures, people have said there's something you become an outcast when you talk about mental health. And that's not 
that shouldn't be what it is today in this year of 2022 at least right i agree yeah it's 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 just so common and i think the more that we can all talk about it it reduces the stigma and knowing you know even if you don't fall into a category of depression or anxiety i think for many people therapy is just kind of a a helpful sounding board for mm-hmm. them to take space from their life to reflect and feel like you can live more intentionally. You know, I'm, I'm living this way, but I want to be, you know, in theory, I want to live this way, but I'm, I'm not really carrying that out with my behavior. So it's kind of a way to align your behavior and your attention. One of the things, because we've talked a lot about millennials, but I want to talk about Gen Z mm-hmm. and even just those teenagers, the, those who are kind of coming up. Mm-hmm. We know that studies have found that you know depression has increased for them anxiety has increased for them especially in the last two years suicide unfortunately has also increased Mm -hmm. which is devastating to me and i think sometimes it's because parents don't know they're not aware of it that we don't talk about it we don't talk about mental health and so what can not just parents because i think it's a responsibility for for many teachers Mm -hmm. uncles aunts uh, best friends etc etc to do what can we do to kind of help those who may be struggling especially the young people mm-hmm. yeah i've seen it so much and and you know i think part of it is technology i think part of it's the pandemic you know mm-hmm. and just the culmination of things coming together for adolescents right now um and i you know i think a piece of it too that there's um which i think part of this is good um there's much more awareness around lgbtq issues you know yeah. that I think a lot more adolescents feel comfortable to explore their identity in different ways. But I think that kind of the combination of all those things and navigating that through those years has resulted in increase in mental health challenges. You know, I think it's really as simple as, you know, taking the time to ask, how are you doing? You know, or um, sometimes I think it's easier for a teenager to disclose that they're struggling if they know someone else's or Mm -hmm. if they hear something that you're struggling with. You know, I think it kind of um, makes for a more vulnerable conversation when you can open up with them about something that you're dealing with, you know, and depending on who it is, you know, if it's a friend or if a parent in a more appropriate way. There's a, cause I've done it myself and I know others have done it. Right. Especially. And I just kind of want to talk about this because I think people see it on social media. When you talk about technology where you have, um, we've had people who recently have, have committed suicide but everyone's like, but they seem so happy. They had mm-hmm. this happy face on them. And I, I think what you said about, you know, just having a conversation and being vulnerable and open is is important because I think sometimes we think what we see is the reality of it. Can you speak a little bit about social media mm-hmm. and, and how that impacts all people? Because I think it impacts not just adolescents and teens, but even us millennials when we see other millennials living Mm -hmm. what we think is their best life, but may not be. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that? Totally. Yeah. You know, I think people put their best moments on social media. They don't put the moments where they're struggling. And I think even for someone using it, sometimes it almost creates a fragmented sense of self, you know, because it's a curated image of who kind of who you want to present to the world. And maybe sometimes there's a disconnect between what you put out there and how you're actually feeling inside. You know, again, because people don't often put out their moments of challenge. And so to feel like you can't do that, but if you're feeling that way inside and then having to put something out there that makes it look like you're perfect and life is great, you know, can create that disconnect. So I think, you know, and I, 
there's been a little bit more of this, I think, but the more people can use social media to be real and vulnerable as well, I think mm-hmm. that can be very powerful and help to kind of change that um, culture on social media, that it's always the perfect happy moments. Do you think one of the ways that people can, because um, I think it's very hard for some people to cut cold turkey social media, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure if that's necessarily the the best thing either, because it's a great resource for me, at least, to con- keep in touch with people I know and love across the world. Mm-hmm. How can we how can we handle social media better? Is it as simple as, and I don't, I don't, I say simple, but I don't think it really is keeping that in mind, what you just said about the fact that it's a curated experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think to, to really put that in perspective, I think to also be aware of how much time you're spending on social media each day, mm-hmm. you know, okay. I think a lot of people mindlessly scroll, you know, I'm guilty of it myself sometimes and it, time can go by and you don't really realize that you get sucked into that where, to kind of say, you know, maybe 20 minutes a day is good for me, you know, and I know maybe throughout the day. And once I hit that, I know it's probably healthier for me to be doing something else. You know, yeah. sometimes I have clients, an idea that I've, uh, that's worked for me too, um, is kind of the idea of a social media cleanse that sometimes if you just delete the apps from your phone, you can still have your account and log into it from a laptop, but not having it on your phone, I think reduces your um, use of it a lot. You know, even if for a couple of weeks and just kind of have a break from it and then you can you put it back on, but it gives you a little bit of break from your normal habits on it. You know, guys, it's possible to do that, by the way. You can live without social media, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's the part of people are like, I, I could never, right. I would never mm-hmm. be able to survive. And I think what, what we're saying is it's possible, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I've, I've found, and I think it's just because of the upkeep, I found I've stepped away from social media posting uh, mm-hmm. these last few months just because of life and, and how things have gone. And it's actually been better, I think, for me. Because to your point, recently being on TikTok, I, I start on TikTok, say at nine, nine o'clock, and then all of a sudden it's 1030. I'm like, where did the time go? Mm-hmm. And it's like a blackout of 1030. Where, right. right. And you so just have no idea. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah, where if you think about if you use that time for something else, maybe at the end of that hour and a half, you feel better doing whatever that other thing was, you know? You know, it, it's funny you say that because I'm wondering how much for people who say they don't have a lot of time to do stuff, how much mm-hmm. of that time is being sucked up by social media? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a good exercise to just start to track how much time you spend on social media. And I think they're pretty easy ways to do that on the iPhone, you know, that yeah. Oh, what is you it like? break down day by day of what there's a screen apps. share thing, I think, on the mm-hmm. iOS and on the iPhone, Android might have it. I'm not an Android person, guys, but there's a screen share that um, screen time mm-hmm. app, I think on your phone, take a look at it, see where you're spending your time, mm-hmm. you know, and what's up, what's down, etc. But I, I'm curious, because I mean, I know when I've lost that time, so to speak, I'm kicking myself because now I have to stay up a, a half hour more to do the work I needed to do because I was only going to give myself a half hour. Right. Yeah. Maybe it, in some ways it, it increases stress if you feel like you have less time to do the things that you need to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 wild how that all kind of comes together. I mean, it was such a, a blessing in the beginning or excitement. New shiny mm-hmm. toy still is, I think. But um, I think there needs to be kind of a, a care in using it. And mm-hmm. posting to it as well, guys, that I would say. 
Well, and I think the younger generation, it's unique that they've never known life without it. You know, I was... Oh my God, yeah. Media started when I was in college. And so I, you know, through high school, it didn't exist. And I, um, it's hard for them to just not know anything different and know there's nothing to compare to how it might affect them if they didn't have it because they don't know anything else. Right. Um, I recently was uh, heard somebody talk about how their daughter, the mom said, hey, can you roll up the window? And daughter's like, why, why are we rolling up the window? Mm-hmm. What's rolling up the window? <laughs> yeah. They're like, it's just a button to press. Mm-hmm. And it's just goes to show they never had to roll back in the day. Y'all there was no button. <laughs> there was a handle and you had yeah. to roll the window up. Okay. That. So <laughs> that's where roll the window up comes from. Um, but it goes to show, you know, there was a life before social media. That's how, your parents, your grandparents, all of us survived before mm-hmm. social media. There were these things called books and playtime. Mm-hmm. You know, I, th- I feel like it's like the video games when the video game culture came in and people were sucked into video, video games and that had its own negative connotation that people put on it. You're right. It's very interesting to see that some people don't know anything but social media. Mm-hmm. You know, and I believe with video games, social media, I don't believe anything is inherently bad. I think mm-hmm. just everything in moderation. And so I, I agree to be yeah. intentional about how much time is healthy to spend on this and really try to live, live that out. So the word you use just there, intentional, um, I mm-hmm. think that's a very uh, interesting word because I think it's we don't think about intention. We think about mm-hmm. it for work. We think about it in chasing our dreams. We think about it in our passions. But it's it's almost like we need to start using it also for other things. Be intentional mm-hmm. about um, what you're going to do outside your exercise, your social media usage, your video game usage, your conversations, et cetera, and whatnot. It's it's funny, though. I don't think people really think about intention with social mm-hmm. media. Mm hmm. Well, I, I use the word a lot, actually, with clients. Uh, okay. I think it applies to the therapeutic process because you're really taking time out from your life to think about how do I want to live? Yeah. You know? And and again, I think we're often all on living on autopilot when mm-hmm. life is busy and we don't really take the time to think about how do I want to live and am I carrying that out? And so you can do that without therapy. It could just be meditation or journaling or just kind of reflecting yourself, but to really think look at your day and say, how did I spend my time today? Is that how I want to be spending my time? And if it's not, think about how do you make adjustments? So Kyle, we've, we've hit a number of different topics that I think these guys um, are going to go back and, and start using and incorporating into their dream chase and their life and what they do. But I want to ask, what is one thing you would recommend that they do today to take care of their mental health, which would help them take care of themselves, which would help them in chasing their dream? I would look at your stress level, you know, to really be honest with yourself, how stressed do you feel and and think about manifestations of stress. Sometimes they can be physical, you know, Mm -hmm. when people are um, feeling heart palpitations or just kind of really um, kind of racing thoughts throughout the day. So look at your stress and then if it seems like there's a significant amount there, really brainstorm some ideas for self-care. I think that it's so simple but it really can make a big difference. And it's um, one of the most accessible things you can do to just kind of take the time to reflect on how you're living your life and be intentional. hundred percent. I love it. Carolyn, thank you so much for coming on and just helping us learn more about mental health and time, having that conversation about it. If these guys want to learn more about you and what you're doing, where can they find you online? 
Um, so my website is carolynyatesLMFT.com. That's my private practice website. All right, guys, I will have that in the show notes. So be sure to check it out. Carolyn, thank you once again for coming on and just sharing your knowledge and information. Yeah, of course. You're welcome. All right, folks, that was Carolyn Yates. Such a powerful episode. So many nuggets of wisdom here and there. The word and phrase that she said that I think really resonated with me and I want you all to take to heart because aside from the fact it's Mental Health Awareness Month is we need to take care of our mental health probably more than our physical health. Both are important, both need to be looked at, but you're probably not looking at your mental health. And so I want you to start doing that. That is such an important thing. You, by you doing it, others will see why it's so important for them to do it for themselves, right? So by taking care of your mental health, you're leading by example. You're showing not only those around you, but also the next generation, your children, your nephews, your nieces, your grandchildren, right? And we begin to normalize taking care of a mental health. That's why it's so important, guys. That's why I want to talk about mental health. That's why I bring on experts like Carolyn to share that with you. Okay, so it was a lot that she shared. If you missed any of it, you can always re-listen to this episode or find all the show notes over at amyj21.com slash episode 259. That's episode 259. All right, Dream Chasers, until next time, remember, don't stop, keep chasing. That's it for this episode. And now it's time for you to take action. You got this. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with your friends. 